and it's going to catch a lot of companies completely off guard because they're not talking about moving. People are staying where they're at, so they think they're fine. But holy cow, if, if things pick up, it, it is going to be very, very interesting. And I think a lot of companies are sitting there going, oh, wait a second, you're leaving? What happened? And but, but it all goes back to how do they value their people? How do they carry that through HR and those type of things? Hey everyone, it's Matt here for another episode of Thinking Inside the Box, the show where each week we tackle the most complex issues related to work and culture. If you're interested in checking out our other content, you can find us at bentohr.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. In today's episode, we chat with Ralph Chapman, a Garland, Texas-based recruitment expert with over 15 years of experience placing senior HR leaders. And as the founder of HR Search Pros, Ralph has a unique vantage point on the seismic shift happening inside of organizations today. Why, you might ask? Well, increasingly organizations are looking for HR leaders that transcend the traditional administrator archetype and are actually more like cultural architects. The very definition of work is changing, and organizations must adapt to become equally adept at operating in the physical and digital worlds. It's become a hybrid. And HR professionals are the tip of that spear, tasked with identifying, attracting, hiring, developing, and retaining the employees necessary to realize success for organizations in this new normal. Ralph is tasked with finding the HR executives needed to make this transition. And it's no small task. Every day he's speaking with boards and executive teams who expect more than ever before from their HR leaders. And he's speaking with the HR leaders themselves who are looking to rebrand, retool, and reskill in order to remain relevant. This is the leading change inside of organizations. And over the next 45 or so minutes, Ralph and I discuss what he's hearing and what he's seeing in the marketplace for his impressions of 2020 and what he thinks 2021 holds for us. If you want a roadmap of how organizations are looking at talent differently going forward, this is the episode for you. And it was certainly one of my favorite chats in recent memory. So without further ado, Ralph Chapin. Ralph, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. It's the holiday season here in Canada, and uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation to kind of send things off on a positive note into 2020. And uh, before I talk about 2020 and, and your experiences in the year, I think maybe it's best to take a step back and introduce our audience to who Ralph Chapman is. So, Ralph, I mean, a bit about yourself, your background, your experiences. All right. Well, sounds good. Well, yeah, I went to Georgia Tech, and my plan was to be a computer programmer and uh, but I was on a Navy ROTC scholarship, and so when I got out, I was in the Navy about three and a half years, and by the time I got out, everything had completely changed, and uh, so I interviewed with a couple different companies and started out with uh, a trucking company, did some recruiting for them, and just got the recruiting bug, and uh, have been in it ever since, and, and then about, I guess I guess about 15, 20 years ago, got into the, the search world business, and uh, it was just kind of an interesting change, uh, but I've always had a passion for HR and then uh, transitioned to just placing human resource professionals about 15 years ago and then went out on my own about 13 and a half years ago now. And uh, it's, it's been, a, been a fun and interesting ride, uh, but our focus is just placing HR professionals, predominantly U.S., 
but any industry, typically, you know, director and above level, but we've worked all sorts of different searches, but it's kind of a broad spectrum of different things within the HR realm. And I've been doing that for a while and just been certainly very blessed. Yeah, you touched on it, but I was going to ask you maybe a bit more specifically of all the professions. And yeah, I've been in the corporate world for most of my, you know, adult life and when I look at the traditional siloed functions of a, of a corporate entity and marketing and operations and finance and IT and then HR, HR to me is a, is a very specific niche area. And it's an area of practice that not a lot of search firms focus in on. They, they do it in addition to other parts of their business. I'm just curious for you, Ralph, why specifically have you focused in on HR? Well, it was kind of, it was kind of funny because like I said, I kind of fell into recruiting and then uh, and I worked with a search firm that we tried to work on all sorts of different roles, you know, be all things, all people. And there was just a lot of frustration on the company side, their client side going, hey, you know, we've got 50 different recruiters. What makes you special? And, you know, there's nothing over a specialty or whatever. And so I, I started kind of chewing on that and thinking about it. Uh, and, and then what fell out to me is, you know, I just had a passion for HR. It was just kind of funny. The different roles I've had, always had, even in the Navy, had a tailored part that was HR. Uh, and so I was like, well, gosh, I ought to, ought to do that. And, and then you think about it. Part of it, too, is it's a great way because, one, and you said exactly, there's not a lot of firms that do it. Uh, and then, two, I was thinking, okay, if I'm placing just HR folks, those are the people I'm talking to every day, you know, it, it can be a great situation. Uh, you know, we can talk about the marketplace, and, and we've been, again, super blessed. A lot of companies that we work with now, you know, we started out just talking about HR. You know, hey, Ralph, don't need any help right now. got plenty of search firms, you know, whatever, who are you? And then we developed that relationship, and they realized, you know, hey, we know what we're talking about. It can be a resource. And then so it, it just kind of built on that. And, and it's been, again, just an interesting ride with all the changes over the last several years. But uh, but just, again, kind of something I fell into. And looking back, it was a great idea. It's worked out better than I even imagined or thought, uh, you know, and because we're talking to those specific people. And, and I know a lot of other firms that do all kinds of different things get all frustrated. You know, HR doesn't respond or whatever. But, you know, we've, again, had have, have great experiences with the HR people that we've gotten to know over the years, uh, you know, and certainly – layoffs or things change wherever they are, you know, we've already got that contact and now we can switch and transition and help them out as they look for a new role too. And, and so it, it's just been a neat, neat situation and uh, it's been a great niche. And, and like I said, it, that's, and, and it's funny cause I'll, you know, I love cold calling and talking to companies for the first time and, you know, Oh, we got plenty of search firms. Like, Oh, what I do is just HR. It's like, what now? <laughs> that's, that's unusual. And uh, it kind of allows us to get a kind of foot in the door, at least have a conversation. And uh, you know, we as HR folks always like to talk about HR and what we're seeing and uh, so it's, like I said, it's worked out very, very well. So a little different, but but we love it. Well, you hit on a few things there, Alf, and I think you're, you're right. HR folks, specifically in the search space, are inundated with firms who are oh, yeah. cold calling, reaching out for business. You know, everyone's offering something that is unique and special and different. And um, it, the more time you spend in the profession, the more you realize that there really isn't a lot that differentiates firm to firm other than relationships. Exactly. And the fact that you specialize in the profession um, is unique and I'm not surprised that it lends itself to deeper relationships because, you know, spending that much time focusing in on HR, you get a greater appreciation of some of the challenges that are come along with the profession. And when I look at 2020, I mean, it's probably the biggest gross understatement I could make. It's been a challenging year for HR professionals. Yep. You know, what's 2020 been like from your vantage point? You know, what kind of things have you heard or experienced? You know, as you as you speak to a you know an audience, as you speak to a, a community of HR people, like what are some of the, if you will, some of the things that stand out for you as far as 2020 is concerned? 
Well, it was really interesting. I mean, we were humming and running and gunning, you know, right till COVID hit. And then we had some searches that went on hold, some went away, and some were keep plugging away. But it, it was a real challenge. And, and what we've seen a lot as we talk with, you know, people that are looking and, you know, people that are hiring or, you know, on hold or whatever, it, it, it was a challenging time and a huge transition. You know, we, we had several companies that were already doing video interviews. And then so it wasn't that difficult of a transition, you know, but, but it's very relational HR, you know, it's very personal, you know, and, and so they love the face-to-face interviews. So that's been a big challenge for a lot of companies, you know, adopting the technology they didn't have. And how do we do that? What's different? What's the same? And, and, and it was kind of funny. I've had two or three different folks, reporters reach out and talk to me about video interviewing. And, and for some companies, like I said, it was just a natural transition. Some it was very difficult to make that change. And then, of course, you have challenges, technology, is it working, is it not? You know, so that, that was probably the number one thing is like, holy cow, what's, what's happening? Uh, you know, number two, I, I think there were some knee jerk responses from some companies that, you know, how do we save money? Well, let's lay off HR. And, uh, and I think that has, has made a terrible impact on the reputation of a lot of companies as the employees are like, wait a second, what's going on? And, uh, you know, and so the other thing, kind of back to the question about why in HR, well, I figured you're always going to have at least one good HR person or whatever the size of the company. And, uh, and so I, I think some companies have spliced that. So we've seen some overreaction on, on companies, you know, what to do. And, uh, and it's been a real eye opener for the profession about how do we support the employees, no matter what the times are like, and, and particularly in a time like this where things got crazy. So, yeah, so I said, you know, number one, the transition to video interviewing. You know, number two, is this a really position we need? Can it be a remote position? Can it not? And that's been a big challenge, again, for a lot of my clients that are used to very relational. Everybody's in the office, you know, and, and, and to say, okay, now you're working from home and nobody's in the office. Uh, it's 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 very much of a challenge for some companies to realize. You know, I have a couple clients that have always done remote or are used to remote, and so again, it was kind of a natural progression. But other companies, that was a big, big transition, big challenge. And so, you know, like I said, it was very difficult those first couple months, and then things starting to pick up. But I, I will say for us, again, super thankful, super blessed. We have seen so much activity just the last month or two. You know, some are new roles due to growth. Some are roles that have kind of been sitting around that, you know, COVID not, COVID go away, stay or whatever, you know, they still have to have this role. And, and it's been a real challenge, I know, for a lot of the, the recruiters at the companies because there's so many people are looking for work and so many people are applying and, you know, and they're trying to dig through all that. And then the great thing that we're able to always bring is that relationship. You know, hey, yes, on paper, the person looks wonderful, but they're wonderful in reality, too, or, hey, it's a good cultural match or not. And so that that's always a challenge, I think, internally, you know, because there's no way you can talk to everybody that applies. And particularly right now when everybody applying. And uh, so we're able to kind of weed through those and get to know people and, and not only present the paper, uh, the resume, but, but also the person. And, and I know that's been a, a tough thing for a lot of companies, just digging through everybody that's applying. Uh, and, and then just a lot of concern, you know, what's the future hold? What's going to happen? COVID going away, going to not? You know, so there's, there's a lot of uncertainty, but things seem to, again, seem to be leveling down a little bit from the company standpoint, and, and we've got to have some strong HR leaders in here. Lord willing, we'll never have to deal with this again, something like this at least, but, you know, but, but being prepared as best we can for situations. And, and that goes back to, I think, just so how critical the HR professional is in general to have that steady hand, that steady mind to, to, you know, weed through and go through these tough situations. And so, it, you know, some companies have handled it very, very well. Others have really struggled. And, uh, and, and it's, it's tough. And then from the candidate perspective, I know just a lot of frustration with the folks that we talk to that, you know, hey, I applied to 10 jobs. Nobody's called. Nobody's emailed me. Not hearing anything. Uh, and, and a lot of companies have, have, have really struggled with their reputation. Uh, and that's, it's hard to build that back. 
you know, after this. So, you know, and I'm not saying they all messed up, but I think some companies could have done a little bit better job doing those types of things. But, but it, it's certainly been a challenge like we've never seen for sure. Well, I think 2020 has caught all of us flat-footed in, <laughs> exactly. in one way, yeah. shape, or form. And yeah. you hit on a couple of really key points there. I think I look back at my 15 years in the HR profession, and there are some organizations that I work with where I felt really supported in HR, where I felt like there was you know, a strategic view of the profession, where they valued HR's opinion, uh, where they sought our counsel when it came to decisions that affected their employees. And in large part, Ralph, I mean, if I look back and, and take even a further step back, the companies that value their employees the most often valued HR as a function of that because they realized that there was a, a natural value exchange that needed to occur there. Exactly. And I've also worked in organizations where they didn't, um, or they did, and it was conditional. So they did when revenues were great, but when revenues were perhaps more challenged, then it was you know back to the scarcity mindset. So when you said when you said before that, you know, when COVID hit, some companies knee jerk reacted and, and laid off staff, especially in HR, like disappointing, but not surprising. Um, I've, I've seen that, unfortunately, on, on too many occasions where HR is viewed as it's not clear in the organization, either because they don't have a position or because the HR professionals themselves haven't positioned themselves as true business partners, um, that the value isn't clear. And it, when things are tough financially, you have to make tough decisions. And if the organizational mandate is to remove HR, well, you then you kind of know how the organization feels about its people. It's, it's a really strong signal. And you mentioned this before, that people in the organization who aren't in HR, but are employees that are watching, they're looking around and going, every decision that's made, they're very much assessing organizations. And one thing that I haven't heard talked about a lot yet, but I think is going to become a more common narrative as we transition into a degree of this new normal. And I'm optimistic like you are, Ralph, that 2021 is going to be a much better year for organizations that with the rollout of vaccines worldwide, that we may return to some degree of normalcy and that the economy will spring back in a lot of jurisdictions. We're still going to have our challenges, but I, I'm optimistic that we've, we've, we're, we're coming out of the worst part of this and that we may see some steady improvements going forward. And I think that one thing that as I look at this time, a common piece of feedback that I've heard on a one-to-one basis or in small groups, but I haven't heard transcend into the kind of, if you will, the social media or the media narrative is there are a lot of people right now looking at their organizations and asking, is this the place that I want to be long-term? They're not willing to move right now because there's still this feeling of scarcity and the unknown and job security right now is at a premium. So, with the amount of, of churn in the market, most people aren't, from my experience, looking to make a move right now if they don't have to. However, when this starts to settle, there are people right now who are very much assessing how their organizations have responded during these trying times. And let me be clear. I don't think anyone that I've talked to expects perfection. And we all know that things have been challenging but you know this better than most, Ralph. You know, in challenging times, this is when leaders get a chance to show their true metal and they get a chance to really show their true values and character. And I think a lot of people have been faced with the reality of, okay, this is actually how my company feels about me or my profession or the people in this organization. And they're having to reconcile it's just a place that I want to support going forward. And we're entering into this new era of the, you know, the labor economy where the individual employee is, is going to have more options and more choice than they've ever had before. And 
again, Ralph, you know this better than most, the best employees in our companies always have options. They always have um, you know, multiple you know, areas they can explore either internally, laterally in the organization, or certainly outside the four walls of a company. So I, I get curious about, yes, we're in the state right now of flux and churn and we're filling spots. I, I expect there'll be a second wave where there'll be a rationalization of talent and people moving around. And I think you're, you're wise to point out that some companies have done a really good job of approaching this ethically and transparently and with the, the employees in their companies front of center and some haven't. Um, and that will shake its way out in the market. And it's it's going to be an interesting space in the next couple of years. Oh, it's so funny you said. I completely agree. Uh, yeah, and, and one of the saddest part of my day is, you know, I have so many people that are reaching out. Hey, I got laid off, or you know, just terrible situations. And you know, we're doing everything we can to help. But but I am seeing exactly what you described. I have so many people calling over these last several months, even when it first hit, that you know, hey, I've got a job. Market's a little uncertain. I'm not sure what I'm gonna do, but man, once things pick up a little bit, or you see something specific, I'm out of here. And uh, and and it's just so sad. And it all goes back to again how how are people being treated? How are they seeing they're being treated? And and it's really been uh, an eye opener for a lot of folks that thought they were being treated well, you know, and now see this and realize they am not. And uh, so yeah, I, I completely agree. I, and it's gonna catch a lot of companies completely off guard. Because they're not talking about moving, people are staying where they're at, so they think they're fine. But holy cow, if if things pick up, it, it is going to be very, very interesting. And I think a lot of companies are sitting there going, oh, "Wait a second, you're leaving? What happened?" And but but it all goes back to how do they value their people? How do they carry that through HR and those type of things? But yeah, I I agree completely. And it's funny you say that because I'm seeing the exact same thing. A lot of one on ones. A lot of small groups I'm a part of, a lot of networking groups, a lot of people I'm talking to, but but I have not really heard anybody else talking about it, and and it, it's going to be a shock, I think, to a lot of companies. Just completely, wait a second, where'd that come from? So yeah, it's funny you bring that up. Yeah, and I and I and, and you, you reap what you sow in some ways, right? So at, at the end of the day, I I don't want companies to experience any more disruption, and. Like you, a lot of how I spent the first part of 2020, I mean, I, I've, I've joked about this a few times, Ralph. I mean, this is the first year that I haven't been in a corporate HR executive role since the early 2000s. So I very much felt like a firefighter without a fire station at the first part of the year because everything's going left, right, and you know, up and down, and it's all hitting the fan. And I'm used to being in that situation Okay, well, if that's if it's hitting the fan, how am I going to respond for my organization? What do they need me to do? And and running my own small business, it was a very different context. It was a um, I found myself talking a lot to HR executives in February, March, April, May about some of the challenges they were facing, whether it was closing offices or testing or you know having to do as you mentioned large scale layoffs and you know senior hr executives from around the world and it was you know it started out with people in asia pacific and then it went over to western europe and then it went to north america then south america like i could almost trace the pandemic and how it was flowing based on the calls that i was getting in and you know these are just people calling me and asking for my advice because i've you know had experience with large scale transformations before and been part of organizations that have gone through some pretty significant crises and the stories that I was hearing were just, they were breaking my heart in terms of, you know, as I said before, when things are less than ideal, when there's a very real risk, some leaders rise to the occasion and some leaders don't. And in those organizations, I would hear stories about 
you know, managers realizing that employees in their business had COVID, but not willing to close down offices. Um, I was hearing stories of managers realizing that they were going to have some some tail or some headwinds around you know, revenue, and then laying off a third of their staff prematurely, only to try and rehire half of them back two weeks later. Like just some really bad decisions because people were scared and they didn't have information and they didn't have the the leadership, if you will muscle to be able to withstand all of the chaos and not pass it on to their organization. I mean, one thing that you learn very early on in HR, it's a profession where you don't have the proverbial stick. There's no role in HR that I've ever seen where you can walk around in business and say, you should do this because if you don't, there's consequences. Like HR is about influence and persuasion and relationships. So you learn that you're only going to go as far in terms of your impact as far as your relationships will take you. And that means interacting with lots of different kinds of people and in a lot of ways acting as a conduit or a buffer between the business and the front line or the, or different business leaders, because you're, you're in some ways sheltering the business from the imperfections of leadership so that they can, you know, carry on and do their jobs because a lot of things that you see sometimes at the C-suite at the board level are things you probably wouldn't want your organization to know about because some of the questions that are asked and some of the opinions that are held are so detached from empathy and emotional intelligence that you're like, how do you have responsibility for other human beings? (laughs) It's, it's like, it's shocking. And it's a reality because we all come at these things from different ways. So I know that in COVID-19, when the, when the urgency and the, the, the seriousness ratchets up, some people lean into their network. They lean into support. They, they ask for opinions. They, they crowdsource solutions, believing that they don't have all the answers and they needed to make this a group effort. And some isolate themselves from other people and start to make really quick decisions that are very, very siloed often not taking into the, the broader picture into account. And we're talking about this in, a, in an HR context, Ralph. I bet you if I had a CMO or somebody focused in on marketing search, they would have a similar type of a narrative around some of the things that happened externally from a branding perspective that companies would have done during the last year because they were so focused on maybe they, they turned off the taps around messaging and branding and relationship building in the marketplace in service to saving money or making more knee-jerk decisions. So I hope that in among all of this, that organizations and their leaders, I mean, you, you hate to have this trial by fire, but if you can learn something from this experience and be able to bring that with you in a leadership sense going forward, it's that when these things do happen, you have an opportunity to show up and be a solid, consistent ethical leader in times like this. And it doesn't require you to be right. It doesn't require you to know everything. It doesn't require you to be superhuman, but it requires you to lean into some vulnerability, to ask people for help, to ask people for advice. Uh, And that's what people are craving in the 21st century, the days of the leader who knows everything and dictates from the office down to the, you know, this factory floor, that leadership style is declining in currency. And it doesn't do you any favors, especially at a time like COVID-19, where it would seemingly, from my perspective, be the perfect opportunity to say, hey, I don't have all the answers. I'm scared too. I don't know where this business is going. I don't know what we can do to fix this, but I know that if we collaborate and if we share and if we're willing to be agile and we all like lean in on this, that we have a better chance than if we don't. But there's still old habits die hard. And um, 
yeah, I think we're going to look back at this. And I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that when we look back, we will see, like in 2008, a large percentage of the Fortune 1000 companies will not be able to make the transition into this new way of working because their leadership practices and their habits and the routines they've built in won't allow them to shift. They'll try and rationalize the old way and try and make it work in the new way, and it won't, and they'll fail. And we'll be able to draw a line and say the companies that adapted their management practices, adapted their leadership practices, were agile enough to make the shifts, will be the ones that have some modicum of success, and those that don't, won't. And it will be sad because a lot of people will be affected by that. Oh, yeah. And... That's the world we live in. That's a capitalist structure. And, and when the when the rules of the game change, if you don't adapt to the new rules, then you're going to lose the game. And it's it's it that's the it's the piece where I, in one hand, Ralph, I'll be honest, I I look forward to that. And I know that may sound a bit morbid, but some of these changes that we were talking about right now, they're 20 years in the making. A lot of the things that we're talking about in terms of leadership practices and you know emotional intelligence. Yep. And empathy, they're not new concepts. They're accelerated because of COVID-19, but they're not new. They're not nothing, there's nothing groundbreaking here. And I also realize that on the path to get to that future, there is going to be collateral damage in the form of lost jobs, companies that won't work, economic implications of it. And I wish we didn't have to go down that path to realize those benefits. Unfortunately, I also, you know, one re- one of the reasons why I originally left the corporate world, Ralph, was I started to realize, you know, the longer I spent in it, that what we were doing wasn't making sense. And how we were operating wasn't a path to success going forward. And unless we changed as leaders and as an organization, if something didn't go according to the plan, we were, we were seeing a slow erosion of our success over time, we would have to make this fundamental shift. And you can ignore it only for so long before you have to change the dynamic of things. And, you know, the, you can't fight time. Like there is no, there's no, there's, there's no slowing this down. It's now been sped up. So, you know, long story short, I, 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 I do feel a sense of optimism going forward in terms of how businesses can potentially have more flexibility for their employees, how businesses that are more, you know, values centered will have success, that the technology innovations that we're going to deploy in organizations will ultimately lead to a better work-life integration, if you will, because, you know, we look at the rising rates of mental health and, you know, the low, the, the decreasing rates of engagement and realize there's a bigger problem here than we've been talking about for a long period of time. I'm optimistic those things will get better. Um, and I'm also mindful of the fact that to get there, we're going to have some bumps along the way. And um, I think it's, it's incumbent upon all of us, including the people that you're placing in organizations to be thoughtful about how do you ease that transition from where companies are today um, into where they need to go to be successful going forward? Hey, everyone. It's Matt here. I hope you're enjoying the show. Before we continue, I wanted to give a quick shout out to one of our sponsors, Benji. The future of work is today. And Matt Parsons and the team at Benji have figured out a really cool hands-on learning solution that you need to be considering as you transition your organizational learning and team building and engagement online. Now, I spend several hours a day myself on video platforms. So whether it's Zoom or Skype or GoToMeeting, they're great. They allow me to interact with people and see them in all parts of the world. Though if you're like me, once those calls go on a bit too long, I start to get a little bit distracted. 
And it's not too long before I'm reaching for my smartphone or opening up another tab on my laptop. That doesn't happen with Benji. They have a catalog of interactive team exercises that makes it really easy for organizations and individual consultants to develop engaging solutions at any scale. And I'll be honest, I've been so impressed with the tool myself that we're actually looking at using Benji to power our virtual workshops with client-facing products. So I'm actually working right now with Matt one-on-one to develop a journey mapping exercise so we can take clients through the employee experience and illuminate thousands of dollars and hours of inefficiencies that organizations tend to have in their onboarding and hiring processes. It's a great tool. And because you are a listener of the Thinking Inside the Box podcast, you're going to get a special benefit as well. I've talked to Matt. He wants to give as many people as possible access to this tool so they can make online learning more engaging. And you can do so as well by using the discount code BENTO20. So if you log on to the Benji website, which is mybenji.com, and you're as impressed with the solution as I am, then enter the code in BENJI20 and you'll receive 20% off your purchase. And with that being said, we'll return back to regular programming. Yeah, and oh my gosh, oh my gosh, a whole ton of what you know you share is a lot of what we're seeing. And like you talk about the relationships and just you know being real. Hey, I don't have all the answers. I'm working on this too, and and folks like that. And that's been a real neat thing that we've seen over the years because. Uh, again, I've been doing research work for 20 years, but HR for 15. And, you know, when I started doing this to where I am now, it's a completely different situation. You know, titles are different. Scope of responsibility is different. Such an emphasis on business partner. And we, we place a lot of folks in these roles where companies will call back in on a week going, gosh, they're doing stuff we hadn't even thought of or never saw HR do before. And, and that, that's really cool. And those are the types of people that we've had great success partnering with. You know, on the Canada perspective is to really come in, make a difference, make an impact. And again, not that they know all the, and everything or have all the answers, but are compassionate, you know, are willing to learn and do things differently and look at things from a different perspective. And then kind of what you talk about technology, that's a whole other thing, which I should have mentioned earlier, one of your questions, you know, about what we saw and seeing is we're seeing such an emphasis on technology and systems and, you know, whatever we can do to be more effective. And some HR folks are embracing it and some aren't. And uh, and the ones that are embracing it are being more of that business partner. And I'm talking business partner at every level, whether it's comp, benefits, total awards, recruiting, staffing, generalists, whatever, you know, you've got to come in and learn the business. And I'm thrilled to say more and more companies are seeing and more and more companies are looking for, you know, but not every HR person is, is like that. And, and that, But that's where my opinion, where it's headed based on the companies that we're working with and we're seeing and just the change and be able to adapt and adjust in this new world, you know, whether we've talked to any return back to any normalcy or not, is, is you've got to be adaptable and adjustable. And, and, and I agree completely, you know, the dictatorial leaders are just gone. You can't do that. You've got to be compassionate and what's going on. And, and HR is a great go-between, as you described, in those types of situations. But but people are looking for people being real. And, and you know, we're all tired of someone that has all the answers and can fix everything in the bowl in the china shop. That's not... You know, companies look at more of a consultative approach, you know, what's happening, what's not, where we're trying to get to, and just, again, being real with the employees. And, and I, I have several folks that we work with that have been through terrible layoff situations, and, you know, their, their direct reports are laid off, too, and they're calling and, you know, just speak volumes of how great, although it's a terrible situation, you know, they were treated well. And then I also talked to a lot of people that, good gracious, you know, just horrible situations and how poorly they were treated. And, and as the old adage goes, you know, you have good experience to tell two people, bad experience to tell ten. So I think a lot of a lot of companies have really been hurt by how they handle all this. 
and, and, and it's a shame, but, but I agree completely. We're going to see such a different mindset and you've got to adapt and adjust them. I mean, you look back at a lot of these big companies that are household names when I grew up that aren't even around because they didn't adapt. And, uh, and, and I couldn't agree with you more. There's, there's so much things happening, but to me, and, and again, I'm so thankful I got an HR when I did and still a part of it. There's so much HR can do at every level to, to make an impact. And, and I think the, the smart companies are the ones that are realizing that. And then we're seeing that, you know, in these CHRO, CPO roles that, that we're filling and then working on is it's a different type of person they're looking for than 15 years ago. And, uh, you know, they, they want that well-rounded, touched on everything and involved in everything and really ingrained in the business. And, and a lot of our companies, you know, a lot of questions they ask our candidates, you know, you're in a business meeting. What questions, what things are you asking or what things are you bringing up that the business people hadn't even thought of? And so that's how ingrained some of these companies are looking for HR to be. And, boy, that, that's a great situation. In my opinion, it's a great situation to be in as an HR. You know, I'm doing all my HR things, but, boy, I'm part of the business. They realize how valuable I am to the business and uh, an impact that can be made by just bringing up ideas and, and looking at it from an HR perspective. And so, to me, it's a real exciting to have those things. I mean, it's horrible to go through what we're going through to see that, but uh, but it's, it's great to see that companies are realizing, hey, wait a second, you know, where's HR? They need to be involved in this. You know, or if they're involved, hey, we need to listen to what they're saying. You know, they've got the ear of the people. You're right. And I mean, if I could just summarize what you said. I think it's you've hit on a, a couple of key points. And I want to I want to really drive this point home because as we discussed offline, Ralph, a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are either business leaders who work in HR profession or they certainly have a deep relationship with the HR profession because they're running small businesses or they're in marketing. And a lot of the, the things that we're hearing and a lot of things that we're seeing, whether it's in your line of sight in placing the next generation of HR leaders or in, in my area in terms of the CEOs and the boards that I talk to, you know, I, I, I say this with all degree of modesty, I've never had more phone calls or more emails about coming to work for somebody else in the last nine months because, and this is, and I, and I want to I state my limitations here, Ralph, you know, a lot of the way I approached my time in the HR profession when I was in the corporate world very much mirrors what is now being sought after. And at the time, it wasn't always welcomed. And it wasn't always welcomed by other people in the HR profession. And it wasn't always welcomed by the organizations in which I worked in. And specifically, I mean things like a deeper integration with the business. So I've had, you know, over the course of my time, when I talk to people about like, you know, they say, man, Matt, what's, the, what's wrong with HR? And how do, we, how do we transform HR? How do we make it better? I put it in really simple terms. And I, I use you know, the, the basic analogy of supply and demand in an economic context. Demand is what companies want and what leaders want from HR. And you know this better than most, Ralph. It's uneven. There are some organizations that want HR leaders that are, you know, business partners, understand a P&L, understand the deployment of technology, data, and bring a level of compassion and empathy and values to their practice. And then there are some organizations and leaders that want HR to play that traditional personnel role administration, compliance, you know, box checking exercises. And in doing that, they set a tone for what is possible within the HR profession. And I've worked in some of those organizations on the latter hand, where I can try and innovate and bring forward business ideas and get told, no, go back into your lane. Your job is to make sure we don't end up in court or on the front page of the paper, which mitigates the effect that I can have as an HR professional. So that's, that's one part. Exactly. 
The second part, because it's very easy to paint organizations and leaders with a, with a brush, but we also have to look within the, in the mirror ourselves. A lot of the flack that I took early in my career, especially in HR, was from other HR professionals who, when I would raise ideas about using data and technology and the, you know agile methodologies on a more consistent basis, would say things like, well, Matt, data is the domain of IT. P&L is finance's yeah, yeah. responsibility. <laughs> We're responsible yeah. for people. And we would we had people in our profession, even today, who resisted measurement of our performance and resisted you know, using technology as a conduit for relationships, um, in large part, in my opinion, because they didn't understand the power of what they were saying no to or because the tools themselves were uncomfortable to them and they were afraid of how they would show up in a world where technology and data and agile formed a part of the ecosystem that was HR. And it's sad because, you know, I, I, I tell this story a few times. My mother won't get too mad. I don't think she listens to my podcast, but, you know, I remember having a chat with her 15 years ago, about her lamenting the loss of bank tellers and how when we go to the bank, she used to appreciate speaking to a teller because she had a relationship with the bank. She wanted to speak to a teller. And for her, her finances were a very personal transaction. So the idea of working through an ATM felt completely foreign and detached from reality. If, you, if, if you're exchanging money, that requires people to look at each other in, in her values. And that was the way she was raised and that the way that she grew up in the world. Now, today, of course, like everybody else, she's online banking and using ATMs and she doesn't use cash really for anything. <laughs> But it's the same thing within HR, which was we started talking about things like intranets and self-service with HRIS systems, chatbots. It was this, well, well, if they put these things in place, what is HR going to do? And that seems very impersonal and very cold and, and if you will, static. And the reality was for those of us who could see the future coming, it was, first off, the expectations that the people who are making the decisions are often different than the people who are subject to those decisions. So that's one part of it. Like I'm of an age now, Ralph, where I'm dangerously close to being out of touch myself, getting close to my forties. Like I have my own perspective, but the generation who's 20 years younger than me has a very different view of the world than I did. So for me to try and evangelize my view of the world for the next 20 years of my career would be unfair to the following generations. But the second part was that specifically in this context, that the definition of service changes. So when I would go to a bank 15 years ago, I would say, oh, waiting in line and waiting for a cashier or a teller, sorry, is just such a pain. It's so inconvenient. I can't do this during outside the normal business hours. To me, it was, it was not service. It was actually was the opposite of service. So when things moved to online and moved into digital, I was like, thankfully, now I can, it's more flexible. It's more adaptable. And if I want to go to a bank to see a loan officer or to see somebody open up a different kind of account, I can choose to do that, but you're not forcing me into your funnel. And in the same way that employees who are now in Gen Z and younger are saying things like, thank you. There's a chat bot now. If I want to ask questions about a policy or book time off of my schedule or you know, have an inquiry about a job, I can deal with a technology interface and get immediate responses to things rather than sending an email to HR waiting two weeks for a response. So 
I, I think about the profession going forward, and I think you've hit on a couple of key points that I, I do want to summarize, which is, the, again, the ability to integrate fully within the business and to understand the business from the P&L perspective, from the strategic perspective, from the operational level, like be curious about your business. And then also using technology and data as complements, not competing factors, but complements to your practice so that you can segment the work within your practice that is really best done by computers. Nobody that I talk to in HR joined this profession to spend six hours a day behind an Excel spreadsheet. But a lot of people are doing that today because they don't use technology effectively. If you use technology effectively, you can allocate more of your time to the actual human relations that most of us join this profession to want to get involved with. But there's this fear of loss and this fear of if we bring in technology, we're going to be replaced. And I think as we look to the future, Ralph, and I, I want to ask you this question, um, the business is changing and we're talking a lot about what's changing in the, in the short term. But as we look to the medium and long term, I'm curious, how do you see companies evolving into the future? And secondly, how do you see HR's role evolving into the future? Well, I think, and that was one of the neat things when we first, you know, I first spoke when you talked about technology and your vision, uh, it was just exciting because we're seeing that more and more with the roles. And, and I think sadly, some HR folks, oh my gosh, it's going to take away the personal touch or whatever. And, 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 and I, and I always laugh and I say, you know, we've lost the human and human resources and so often. And, and, but, but, but again, the using the technology wisely, I think is the key. And, and like you said, augmenting what we're doing to allow us to do the things we need to do. And instead of automating a lot of basic tasks. And so that's been exciting to see. And I, I think we're going to continue to see more and more of that. And, and I think the HR folks that are embracing that, and companies that are embracing HR more are going to realize, hey, we do need to invest in these systems because it'll help out here, here, and here. And and so I think that's where we're going to – because, I, I mean, I think back to when I first started, again, just HR myself and then just focusing on placing HR professionals and where we are now, there is such a drastic difference. And, uh, and, and so I think, you know, we're going to continue to see more and more – of technology, I think we're going to see more and more systems that are more efficient, that are more HR focused to really make a difference. But, but yeah, I mean, I think about my kids and as I get older, <laughs> you know, you talk about the chatbots. I, mean, I want an instant response. Everybody wants instant responses. So there's a lot of things that to them is a very personal touch. But to me, being older, wait a second, that's not personal. I want to see you face to face. You know, so it's adapting and adjusting to what people are looking for now, but it's everybody's getting used to that. And, and I, you know, I can completely relate with my mom in the, in the banking situation, you know, but, but, but I think we're going to see more and more of that. How do we use that technology? But I, but I think the key thing is to keep that human touch in there some way, shape or form to keep the, again, human, human resources. I think we're going to need that. And, 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 and so the, the, you can do the extremes. You know, oh no, it's, all got to be manual, all got to be this to keep HR the way it is, or hey, it's all got to be automated. I think a good blend are going to be the most, is going to be the most successful way to do that is to have in the systems there that make the job easier, that make automate a lot of the tasks and allow you to do the things that you want to do and need to do as an HR professional and, and certainly get involved more in the business, I, I think is where we're going to continue to see. I mean, with, shoot, I'm, I'm, you're, see it too, all these technologies every day, there's some new technology that's making this easier, this stuff we never thought we could automate before. And uh, and I think we're going to continue to see a lot of that. I know a lot of AI stuff going on in HR, we're seeing recruiting and things like that. You know, but and, and I've heard the story. Oh, we're gonna you know automate HR. Well, you, 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 in my opinion, you can't. You're always gonna have to have a human piece do it. 
Uh, and I think the companies that realize that and figure out how to do that are going to be the ones that are most successful. And the HR leaders that embrace that technology can can do that and, and are willing to do that and make those differences, make the change, I think are going to be the most successful. So, yeah, I, again, technology, 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 I think we're going to see a lot more and more advances along those lines, making it easier to automate a lot of these tasks and make for more instantaneous responses and things like that. So it's been real exciting to see that and more and more. And it was kind of sad. It made me think, probably about four years ago, a good friend of mine, head of HR, was interviewing with a company on his own, and the, the CEO finally stopped him and said, hey, we're just not ready for your view of HR yet. And I'm like, how sad that they have such an old view, and, I, and I'm date myself, but I call it John Wayne HR, you know, all transactional and years and years old, as opposed to making a real difference and being that business partner. And companies need to see that, need to embrace that. And, and I think the HR leaders that realize that are doing that are the ones making a real impact and making a real difference. And that's what's super exciting as we work, you know, on these roles and talk to companies about their openings, you know, these senior level HR leaders, you know, number one, number two, number three, or whatever it is, you know, how they view and I think about the conversation I had with them five, ten years ago, and now what they're looking for, and and just how things have changed, and you know, want more involvement and, and really learning. I, I think that's super exciting because you, as HR, instead of sitting in your little corner, you know, planning parties and keeping people out of jail, there's so many more things you can do to impact the business. And so exciting, it's, it is exciting that we're seeing companies realize that. And I think that's the future to people that approach it that way. Cause the ones that it's all transactional and all day to day and I'm, I'm going to be in my office if you need me, that's gone. I, we've, I, anyway, we placed a, a HR, uh, manager slash director at a plant one time and, uh, and it was, it was so sad. The reason they called us was, you know, Ralph, people don't even realize we have an HR person. They're in their office all the time. You know, we place somebody, Ralph, we love this person. They're out in the plant. They're out on the floor. They're getting to know people are making an impact. They're in the business meetings, you know, and that's exactly what we're seeing across the board from companies is people willing to step out of their comfort zone in HR and, and make a difference and make an impact. And so anyway, long-winded, sorry. But, yeah, I think a lot of technology, a lot of changes there, a lot of companies embracing technology, utilizing it, and a more encompassing technology as opposed to, you know, this for IT, this for marketing, this for HR. You know, how do we pull this together? And I think we're going to see a lot of success in systems like that that everybody can access and we all see together all on the same page. Ralph, you never have to apologize about being long-winded on this podcast because, I mean, I set I set the tone for that. Don't worry, don't don't worry there. And I think you're right. And I think you know if I could like pull up my crystal ball and look into the future, I look at and again this is this this comment is either going to age exceptionally well or we can look back at this Ralph and laugh at me. And I'm good for either scenario. But I think about the natural evolution from the industrial economy into a knowledge based economy, where before the value of you and I would be measured by the amount of widgets that we would produce on the factory line at the end of the day. Very clear. Outputs were ultimately inputs in terms of us being present on the shop floor and outputs were how we assess performance. We're now in a knowledge based economy where it's very difficult to tell if somebody's giving you their best effort. It's very difficult to measure creativity, innovation, and teamwork in terms of the gap between what people are providing and what they could provide, which ultimately goes back to HR as a profession. I think the profession evolves from administrators into true architects of organizational performance. And what that means is, is to create environments, and that could be physical, it could be digital, it could be cultural environments that encourage people to bring the best of themselves to work. And there's a clear scientific connection between engagement, 
intrinsic motivation and discretionary effort. And in a world where I can't measure the amount of widgets that you produce, I have to trust that if I create the right environment and set you up for success, that you're going to give me your very best effort because you want to, not because we're forcing you to, but because you want to. And in exchange, if we do that at scale, we will have a competitive advantage over the person down the street or across the world who does the same business, who doesn't get that from their employees. And we're also in an era now, as we've said a couple of times in this podcast, where the, the incentives have shifted. 20 years ago, it was about job security and salary and pension and benefits. And today with the new generations, it's about experiences, opportunity, the impact in the world. So no longer can you throw around big dollar signs to attract the best talent. You really have to do the work to make the environment, the type of environment people want to work in. And HR has a huge opportunity to help play a role in that. And whether it's technology and data, we're not asking HR people to become technologists and data scientists. We're we're asking them to be able to think through the implications of these tools in service to creating human-centric environments. And human-centric environments can mean, hey, Matt, I don't want you to spend seven hours a day behind an Excel spreadsheet. What I want you to do is spend an hour a day behind your computer, but we've automated everything else in your, your practice so that you can spend five hours coaching line managers and coaching leaders and spending time with employees on the shop floor because that's what you want to do. That's what we want you to do. And ultimately, that job is much more satisfying for everybody. And then you'll give your best to it versus the drudgery of other things that could be you're responsible for. So in a knowledge-based economy, our ability to architect those environments just becomes so much more critical. And I get really excited about that because to your point, you have to, you have to now HR becomes true, you know, polygots in that we're having to be a little bit of psychology, a little bit of technology, a little bit of engineering, a little bit of finance, a little bit of marketing, and blend all these things together and ultimately become performance coaches at the organizational level for people, um, but in a way that's very business focused. And I get excited about the potential because I, I do believe that we have so much more to give at the individual level, at the team level, at the organizational level. And I get excited about a future that includes us viewing people in a different way, because spoiler alert, I don't see the pace of change slowing down. We're not exactly. going to go back to the way things were. So we can and try and insist upon the old ways of doing things. But I think the more that we do that, the more we're going to realize that we're actually doing ourselves a disservice. So I, I, I get excited about the future, Ralph, and I, I'm, I'm eager to continue this conversation with you because I know that you are consistently speaking with HR leaders and the organizations that hire them. And you have a very much a line of sight to the changes that are occurring at the organizational level before they actually affect the organizations. Because we're talking about you're, you're placing cultural architects, that the effect of their placements will not be felt in an organization for often 12, 24, 36 months after you place them, you have a window into the future. Yeah. And that's been so neat too, just talking to a lot of companies, you know, when they have these top roles, they reach out and, you know, we kind of go through, you know, what do you need? What are you looking for? What have you had? What's going on? And and it's been really fun talking to them and saying, hey, what if you look at it this way? Or, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Or, hey, what if you look for somebody that's got this kind of a background, maybe a little bit different? You know, those are a lot of different things that you can bring to bear that you may never have thought of. And uh, so that's been super exciting to, to show, you know, here's the impact somebody can have doing things you, you may never have thought of. And, uh, and and like you said, what a tremendous impact on the business. And, and you know, amen to what you said. You know, what a, what an exciting thing to be a part of, to do what you get to do, to really 
impact the people and not spend your day looking at spreadsheets to do that. You know, what we all love to do, get excited. And then, of course, that extrapolates out to the people coming in. They, they want that personal touch. They want someone that's going to help them and guide them in their career, give them advice, help them to do better at their job. And, and you take a step back and look at, oh, my gosh, what an incredible impact that will have on the company, you know, when you're allowed to do those things and companies realize that. And I, and I think we're seeing more and more of that. I know I've seen more and more over the years been doing this of companies realizing that, again, keep using the term business partner, but, you know, really actively engaged HR leader across the company lines uh, is huge. And, 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 I, and I agree completely. You know, there's so many folks that we've been able to work with and get into these roles, and the company's like, holy cow, you know, we hadn't even thought about that, or, you know, we didn't even know we needed that, or I hadn't even looked at it from that perspective, or never had HR do that before, and, and that's real exciting, and, and so I think it's really neat, I think we're going to see more and more of that as companies realize, you know, we need to integrate HR better, and not just silo it out, so it's just an impact they can have. I knew this would happen, Ralph. I knew that time would fly by, and it did. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it, don't be sorry at all. I've, I've so enjoyed the conversation, and I look forward to, as 2021 continues on, that we have a chance to continue this conversation. Hope we can get you back on the podcast to see how things are going with you. Um, I want to encourage anybody listening to this show, if you're looking for advice or looking for some perspective on where the HR profession is going. If you're an HR leader at the senior levels looking for a placement or an organization looking to place someone at those senior levels, you know, as you can hear through this conversation, Ralph is, you're somebody that has an understanding, a deep, intimate knowledge of the profession and where it's going. And, you know, I think it's a huge blessing in today's environment. Those people are rare. So thank you so much for taking the time to connect today and looking forward to uh, the rest of 2021. That sounds great. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate the opportunity. At Bento HR, we enable your HR strategy with custom HR technology procurement, implementations, and integrations to liberate your team from administration, enhance their productivity and experience, to position them at the center of your organization's transformation, where they belong. With experience as an HR executive myself, I have a real appreciation of the challenges facing today's HR leaders. The world is changing. Your industry is being disrupted. Your organization is transforming. And all the while, you're trying to do more with less. You're being asked to simultaneously model fiscal restraint while the expectations of your departments are only increasing. At Bento HR, we can support you at every stage of your transformation. From architecting the strategy to developing and selling the business case internally, we support procurement, implementations, and ongoing sustainment. And we tie it all together with a deep knowledge of the HR profession and over six decades of combined experiences from our founding team who has worked in or supported large HR organizations across multiple industries, including, but not limited to, financial services, technology, retail, transportation, and healthcare. Check out Bento HR today to build your very own Bento box, which doubles as your business case for transformation. Leveraging recent research into the upside of digital automation inside organizations, and with your help in answering a few simple questions related to your organization, our Bento Builder will provide a directional business case for change. So log on to www.bentohr.com and build your Bento box today.